Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. We're going to be in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 25 here this morning. And if you're just joining with us, uh, we have been going through uh, what is called the Olivet Discourse. And uh, this is a sermon that our Lord gives to his disciples, and it's concerning things about last things, about end things, um, about things that uh, he tells us that are going to happen. And it's basically spawned about because of two questions that the uh, disciples ask. And uh, those questions are uh, basically, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming. And uh, over the, the course here, we've already uh, covered uh, through Matthew chapter 24 about um, what those signs will be, the birth pains, you will, if uh, the Lord gives of uh, what is going to happen prior to his second coming. And uh, then we started to tackle the question of exactly when that will happen. And of course, our Lord tells us that nobody knows uh, when the, the, the coming of the Son of Man will be. The angels don't know. Even Jesus himself doesn't know. Uh, he says only the Father knows of exactly when that'll be. And the whole point that he's trying to get us to see is you need to be prepared for his second coming. And uh, I'm sure just as like uh, uh, the first advent of our, the coming of our Lord, they had prophecies, they had prophets, they had the scriptures to tell them of uh, his first coming, but uh, yet there were still many people who were caught off guard at his first coming when the Lord came uh, and took upon himself flesh and dwelt among us. And now he is giving us another warning saying, look, I'm going to be coming again, again, I'm coming back again. And so you need to be prepared. And so we find ourselves here in chapter 25 of Matthew's gospel. And uh, he's trying to tell them uh, that it's important that you are prepared. And he does this in a way by giving us several of these parables. And uh, we've already covered a couple of them. And these parables or stories, if you will, are ways for him to illustrate the point of his second coming. Now, um, as he tells us these uh, parables, um, it, it's important that we understand what he is saying because there's sometimes a lot of people that like to spiritualize or to uh, over-spiritualize uh, these parables and make them apply to things that really it doesn't apply to at all. Now, I understand that because we are dealing with prophecy, there are a lot of uh, differing backgrounds and uh, things that we come to with different conclusions. And if you remember the, the illustration that I gave you with the hand, sometimes you can't see everything in between your fingers, but when you turn it this way, you can see everything. Well, when we look at Scripture, uh, we see some things, but we can't really see everything in between. And so uh, understanding that as we're talking about prophecy, we may not get the full total uh, reality of what uh, Christ here is saying, but it's important to understand that he tells us, and it's a warning, that we need to be prepared. Um, so as we look at these parables, there's actually five parables 
that our Lord gives here through Matthew 24 and 25. And uh, we've already covered a few of these. We covered about the parable of the fig tree in Matthew 24, verses 32 to 35. So when you see these signs, you know that summer is near. Know that the Son of Man is coming. He's coming, right? Uh, Then we talked about the parable of the watchful doorkeeper or the watchful owner. If he would have known when the thief was coming, he wouldn't have left his house, right? But Jesus is going to come very suddenly, It's going to become unexpectedly like a thief in the night. And uh, we covered that in Matthew 24, uh, 43. So don't be caught off guard. Watch. And then uh, last week, we talked about the parable of the wise servant, that faithfulness will be rewarded. And uh, those that are faithful to the Lord, those that are actually doing what Christ has called them to do, that they will be rewarded. Now, as we cover over here, Matthew 25, There's actually three more parables that we're going to look at. Uh, Today, we're going to look at this parable of the ten virgins. And then uh, next week, we're going to cover about the parable of the talents. And then the last uh, week, there's going to be the parable of the sheep and the goats. And our Lord's going to sum up everything of all of his teaching about his second coming, about being prepared. And I had told you that uh, that very last week after we cover uh, the parable of the sheep of the goats, that we're going to allow time for uh, question and response. Uh, you know, uh, if you had some questions about some of the things that we've been covering here, or just maybe how the Lord has been uh, speaking to you uh, through your life in uh, the teaching here that we've been covering. So we want to allow you to have a time for that. So this is what I'd like for you to take away with you this morning. When the Lord returns... You must have your own faith. When the Lord returns, you must have your own faith. So let's take a look here at our text. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to read through this, then we'll we'll go through this and break this down. Jesus says here, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now, four times already the Lord has said that he is coming. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And he's going to be coming at an unknown time. And this parable is a parable with the intent of teaching us the suddenness of his coming. He's coming at an unknown time. 
And the Lord is trying to call us to be prepared so that we are not caught off guard as being unprepared for that. Now notice verse number one. It starts with the word then. So then takes us to a time. What time? Well, it's the time when the Lord comes that he has just been speaking of in the prior uh, chapter here in verse 24. So when he comes, he's going to come to reward the faithful servant and he's going to be punishing the unfaithful servant or the wicked servant. And it's at that time that the kingdom of heaven, that God will be ruling and reigning upon this earth. When Christ comes and sets his feet back on the Mount of Olives, he's going to be coming and reigning. And when he comes, he will reward the faithful and he will punish the wicked. Now, the main idea of this parable is very simple. Here it is. Jesus is coming. And in his coming, he will judge sinners and reward the righteous. Now, first of all, I want you to see that Jesus wants to teach us something about this wedding. Can you see the picture here? It's a wedding. And he's giving us a picture of a wedding and how to be prepared for this wedding. And so what do we learn from this ceremony? Well, let me give you a little historical background about weddings during the time of, of Jesus' time. A wedding really was the greatest time or event in a village or a town. Everybody knew what was happening. Everybody knew what was going on. And uh, everybody got involved, friends, family, extended family, everybody. It was, a, it, was a, it was a thing that everybody took part in. It was a time of happiness. It was a time of festivity. It was a time of celebration. And that's the scene that we have pictured here as our Lord is giving us this parable about a wedding, about being prepared. Now, in a Jewish marriage, there were three elements of the wedding. First of all, you had the engagement. Now, before the wedding, we have this time, this engagement period. And the engagement was an official contract between two fathers, the father of the uh, wife-to-be and the father of the husband-to-be. So two fathers got together and they said, hey, I think my, uh, my son will be a perfect match for your daughter. And they made an agreement. They made it a pact. How many of you ever seen The Fiddler on the Roof? Right? Taviar, remember? If I were a rich man, Right? Okay. So they made an agreement. They made a pact together and they say, okay, our children are going to get together. They're going to get married. And so there was an engagement period. And so the engagements weren't really made with the couple. They were made with the fathers. Then we have the second part of this, which was the betrothal. Now, this was a little after the engagement period, and you have this betrothal. And basically what that was, it was the official ceremony now. So you have the uh, wife-to-be and the husband-to-be. They would come together. It's already been set that, hey, we're going to be married. And they would come together, and at that betrothal period, they would actually make the promises to one another. They would say, I do, I'm going to do this, I'm going to promise to be your husband, I'm going to promise to be your wife. And so they would make these binding promises uh, before all their friends and their family, and uh, they would do that. And so any breaking of that betrothal period was essentially then a divorce. And also if the husband happened to die during that period, the wife was considered a widow, 
even though the marriage had not been physically fulfilled, if you will, meaning they came to live together as one flesh. Then you have a third part of the wedding, and that's where we find ourselves in this text. After the betrothal ceremony, the groom was given up to a year to get things ready to take his bride back to his own house. So they would make their promises, and the groom would say, okay, babe, see you later. I'll be back. And what does he do? He goes maybe to find a plot of land, start building his own house. Maybe he has his father's house. He makes an addition onto it. But he takes his time and he's preparing and he's working to get the place ready so that he will leave then and come and pick up his bride and take her back with him. Now, can you imagine the anticipation of all of this? I mean, they've made the covenant. They've made the agreements. We are going to be married. We're going to be living as one flesh. And the husband leaves and then goes and starts preparing. Now, I remember, and I don't know, maybe some of you other guys here, when you first got married, um, I started living in an apartment. My wife was still living in uh, Pennsylvania at the time, and I was in Ohio. And uh, the apartment... Boy, I, I thought, yeah, okay, I'm going to have this. It'll be nice. My wife came to put up curtains, and she comes in, what is this? How are you living like this? Right? But during this time, there was this period where the husband was preparing the home because he's going to come, and he's going to come and get his bride. Now, this is what is so fascinating about this. As soon as he was done preparing, then the festivity started. So it was almost living in anticipation. Is he going to come today? Is he going to come tomorrow? Is, when when will, will he be here? I don't know. But he is coming, right? He's going to take me, and I'm going to go away with him. And so the bride really didn't know exactly when that time period was going to be. But she knew it was coming. And so she was going to be prepared for his coming. Now let's get the picture here. The fathers have chosen. They've arranged the marriage. Here's the groom. He and his bride have made the covenants. And now the groom spends this time getting everything ready, everything prepared. And he says, okay, now this is going to be the time that I'm going to come. And here we have Jesus here giving this picture here of the bride. And notice what she has with her. She's waiting there with all of her bridesmaids or virgins, if you will. And he arrives with all the men that are with him. And then he collects his bride. And then the festivities start. They got their torches. They got their lamps. They start going through the town. Hey, we're married. We're getting married. We're leaving. See you later. And it's a big festivity. In fact, it's, it, we find out that this, uh, this celebration would sometimes last up even to a week. So they would all go over there to the, uh, to the bride and groom's house now, the whole wedding party. They're all waiting in anticipation and they get over there. Hey, it's time. Let's go. Let's go to the wedding now. And so they're over there at the bride and groom's house. And they're celebrating. They're having a great time. And I'm sure after a week, probably the bride and groom are like, okay, it's time for you guys to go home now. <laughs> You've ate all my food. You drank all of our uh, drink. It's time for you to leave. 
And so it was a great time of joy and celebration. And so we find here that this here about what we learn here from this wedding ceremony is that there were preparations that were in hand that had to be there in order for them to continue to move on. And so everything is ready. And they're going to join now in the beauty and the wonder of the festivities. And I hope you're getting the picture here. Let's look at the second thing. What we learn from the wedding party. A second thing we need to know in how to understand this parable is the wedding party in and of itself. Who are these people that our Lord is talking about here? He mentions here, notice what he says, verse number one, 10 virgins. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins. And he says, look, took their lamps. And actually the word lamp here actually is a, is a word for the word torch. And the torch was basically a long pole and on it had some kind of like wire mesh attached to it. And inside that wire mesh, they would put some kind of like cloth or something in there and it would be doused in oil. And so they have their torches, they're ready to go. They're waiting for the bridegroom to come. And they got their torch and it's ready. And so the torch here was given so that they could carry it. It was almost, if you will, to, for them to identify in a way that they were part of the wedding party. We do that today, don't we, in, in weddings? We have all the bridesmaids up here. What do they have with them? Flowers. I'm part of this wedding party. Look at me, I got my flowers here. And so here we have these 10 virgins who take their lamps. They're no doubt they're hanging out at the bride's house. They're waiting to meet the bridegroom. They are her chosen ladies and they're the bridesmaids. Now notice how many of them, there were 10. Why 10? That seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Here's the answer why there's 10. I don't know. What's important is not how many there were, but the main idea, the clear teaching of our Lord in this parable is you need to be prepared. Don't be caught off guard. Now, they take their torches, they have them, and they're bringing their torches along to light the night sky. Because notice when they come, it says that they have these torches and it says that they come because the bridegroom is delayed. They become drowsy, they sleep, but at midnight, it's dark. They say, now is the time we're gonna go to the house. And they need their torches so that they can go there with the wedding party. Now notice what it says here. It says that, it says that they went to meet the bridegroom. So it says, verse number two, verse number one, excuse me, that they, like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. The word meet is, is very interesting. Really, it's the word used to refer to a greeting of an official newly arrived dignitary. So it's kind of like an official term, if you will. This was a very official event. It was a very special event. And so now we ask ourselves the question, who really are these girls? And it's very obvious from our Lord says who they are. 
I believe that they are professed Christians. They are people that profess to know Christ as their savior. They are those who claim to belong to Christ. They are those who have gathered with the assembly of Christian people to await the coming of the Lord. They are those who say they know Christ and they anticipate his coming. They are those who say that they believe and that they know about everything about the wedding and they know that the time is near and they even say they've even made their preparation. They got their torches. They have on their wedding garments. They have their torch. And so really their presence symbolizes their interest and their torch symbolizes their profession of faith in Christ. They show all the outward marks, if you will, of a person who is watching for the coming of the bridegroom. They show all the outward marks of readiness that I'm prepared. They show the outward marks of commitment to Jesus Christ. They're part of the believing community. They're gathered as bridesmaids, as if you were, if they were to be ready to go to the, to the bridegroom's house. They profess to hear the gospel and believe. They profess to be disciples, to wait on the son, to desire the kingdom. Now, outwardly, everything looks right. Everything. They all appear to be the same. They all appear to have on wedding garments. They all have chosen, they're all chosen bridemaids. They all attend to the bride. They all have their torches. They're all uh, very, very indistinguishable. They all look the same. But listen oh so carefully to what this message or this parable, what our Lord says. Verse number two, five of them were foolish. Five were wise. Who but God alone knows who is foolish and who is wise. He alone, the scriptures tells us, that he searches the hearts. So they are very different, not outwardly, but inwardly very different, very different. They are wise and foolish. One commentator wrote it this way. He said, there is not a more grand or a more beautiful spectacle on earth than a great assembly reverently worshiping God together. No line visible to human eye divides into two parts, the goodly company, yet the goodly company is divided into two parts. The Lord reads our character and marks our place. The Lord knows them that are his and them that are not his in every assembly of worshipers. Did you know that there are churches, even a church like this here this morning, all over the country, all over the world that are filled with people, those that are coming to, to worship God, to worship Christ, and yet the Lord knows exactly who is wise and who is foolish, those that profess to know Christ, but yet they do not know Christ. It's a warning. Be prepared, is what he's trying to tell us. And so we find this over and over, generation after generation. Lots of people who say that they are part of the wedding party, torch in hand, I am part of this, I'm here, I'm gonna be part of it, but yet they are foolish. They do not know the Lord. The Lord knows whether you're wise or you're foolish. And so the difference in these virgins here in this parable is being prepared. Those that were prepared were wise. Those that were not prepared were foolish. Now look at verse number three. Look what he says here. 
He says, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. That is, those vessels that they carried, those torches that they had, he says, they didn't take any oil with them. The wise, however, they carried the flask with the oil. The foolish had no oil at all. They made no proper preparation. It was all outside. It was all external. But they hadn't cared for the most necessary thing, and that is the oil, so that they could light the torch. They all made profession. They all said, we're part of the group here. We're all part of the bridesmaids. But only five had the genuine oil of being prepared. Now, what is that oil? Well, spiritually speaking, I believe it's what's those that set apart to those that really are the Lord's. In reality, it is his saving grace. There is only one way that you are actually gonna ever be part of the Lord's family. And that is that you have to know Christ as your savior. You have to have his saving grace. That's it. You're not gonna make it on your own. You're not gonna make it with somebody else's. It has to be God's saving grace in your individual life. There had to be a time in your life when you realized that you were lost in your sin and that you repented of your sin and you turned to faith in Christ, in Christ alone for salvation. And that's what these virgins here, those that were prepared, he's giving us a picture here and he's saying those with the oil were prepared. They have the saving grace. They are the ones that will be able to go into the wedding. And so the oil here tells us about the righteousness. It tells us about the, the grace of God that is given to those who've repented of their sin. Paul put it this way as he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number five. He says that there are those that have a form of godliness, but without power. So these foolish virgins had outwardly everything right. They were committed intellectually. They were committed socially. They were even committed religiously, but they had no light and they had no life. And so the purpose of this parable is to warn us not to be caught in such a place of being unprepared. When the Lord comes, he is going to be looking for those that are prepared. Time after time, our Lord warned us of this very thing happening. And it's sad to say that I believe there are a lot of people that sit in church week after week after week who are self-deceived. They believe that they are prepared, but they are not prepared. That's why the Bible tells us to examine ourselves, whether or not we are in the faith, whether or not we know Christ or not. Examine yourselves. If you have corrupt works in your life, that means you have a corrupt root and you don't know the Lord. And so you need to examine yourself. Now take a look here at verse number five. Look what he says says that the bridegroom tarries. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. The bridegroom tarried. And so here our Lord is giving us another fascinating thing about his coming. 
that there's going to be a time of tearing. There's going to be a time of delay. Can you imagine here during this time, our Lord's given this idea here about what's going to happen in the end times and the tribulational times. People are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. Things are going to be going on, pestilence, all this stuff happening. And people are going, okay, okay, the coming of Christ is very soon. I know it's very, very soon. But there's a delay, there's a gap, there's a period of time. And what do they do? It says here that these virgins fell asleep, that they became drowsy because at his delay. And so Jesus is going to establish his kingdom. There might be a delay in there. Now, if you remember what our Lord is teaching here, he's trying to tell us to be prepared. And so they, they fall asleep. Now, notice how many of them fell asleep. All of them fell asleep. So there's no problem of them falling asleep here. The problem is those that fell asleep who were unprepared, when the Lord comes, it's unexpected and they're unprepared. And so that's why he says you need to be prepared when the bridegroom does return. Let's look at the third thing here really quickly. The bridegroom will come, so be ready. Now look here at verse number six. But at midnight, there was a cry, here's the bridegroom. So he tarries a long time, but now the wedding is going to start at what time? Midnight. Can you imagine getting a wedding invitation in the mail? And you look at it and you go, okay, when's this wedding? Midnight. You realize how, how strange that would be? But the whole point here our Lord is trying to teach us is, that you don't know exactly when the wedding is going to be, so you need to be prepared. But at this particular time, it came at midnight. How, how many of you stayed up to watch the ball drop? Kind of anticlimactic, isn't it? <laughs> I was telling somebody, you know, one of the things about uh, adulting in life is the fact of actually going to bed and be like, oh man, I get to go to bed early tonight. <laughs> So here, the wedding is at midnight, unexpectedly, and they're drowsy. But when, the, but when it happened, when no one expected, the wedding then began. It started. It came exactly when he came. And so these, bridemans, these bridemaids knew it was time to gather at the bride's house. The festivities are going to all occur. They knew it was going to happen. The preparations have been put in place. We might say here, really, as our Lord is teaching, these are people that might have been living or will be living during those tribulational times. Believers who are living in the tribulational times and they see all these things happen, they're expecting for Christ to return, but yet there's a time and he doesn't return yet. And so the foolish virgins knew it was time, but they still wasted their opportunity and at midnight, there was a cry, and the cry obviously was to announce his approach. And I suppose there will be such a cry when I, when he, when I believe when he comes to set up his kingdom. In fact, it says that there will be a cry of an archangel at the last trump when Christ returns. And when he returns, he'll be setting up his kingdom. And so there will be a cry, behold, here comes the bridegroom. Go out and meet him. And so this is a interesting thing about the bridegroom will come that you need to be prepared. You need to be ready. Now look at verse number seven. Look what it says here. 
He tells us, then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. So even the foolish ones, even the wise ones, they all rose to trim their lamps. They readied the cloth. They had it in hand. They're ready to go. The oil's been poured on, ready. The, the torch has been lit. And it flamed in the night sky. But those who had no oil, they knew it now. They were unprepared. Look at verse number eight. Look what he says here. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. When it mattered the most, they didn't have any oil. They wanted to borrow some from the wise virgin. So he says, give us, give us some of your oil. Let us have some. What do we learn from this about being prepared? Salvation is non-transferable. You have to have your own faith. You have to have your own salvation in Christ and Christ alone. You won't get in by the coattails of your parents. You won't get in by the coattails of the church. You won't get in by the coattails of your friend, your wife, your neighbor, your friends, your, your kids. It won't happen. You have to have your own faith. It's non-transferable. You can't be part of God's family by using someone else's salvation. And so when Jesus Christ comes, you have to be prepared. Look at verse number nine. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. The idea here is simply to teach that you've got to procure your own salvation. The buying does not assume that you have to pay a price for salvation. You can't buy salvation, but he's trying to teach us that you have to procure your own. You have to come to faith in Christ on your own, not somebody else's. It's not a, it's not a, uh, a something that you can just go and, and get from somebody else. So oil was very plentiful. Oil was very available, but at midnight, it wasn't available. All the shops are closed. It's all over. And, you know, this is the whole thing that our Lord's been trying to teach us. Remember when he said, he gave us the illustration about in Noah's day, for 120 years, Noah's building an ark and he's preaching as a preacher of righteousness. And he's saying, repent, 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 repent. What do the people do? Ah, everything's been continuing just like how it was before Noah. Everything, everything. We're giving in marriage, we're eating, we're drinking. But then suddenly what happens? The floodwaters came, the door was shut. You don't have time or opportunity anymore. It came when they least expected it. And that's what our Lord's trying to teach us here. It's gonna come when you least expect it. Now look at verse number 10. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the, to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Yikes. It's over. No more opportunities. It's all gone. No place to buy the oil now. The door is shut. And I believe those are moments of sheer terror immediately after the awareness that you have met a holy God and that you are unprepared. And really, you know, we look at this and we say, you know, that's future, that's future, that's future. But was it future last week when a gunman came into that church in Texas? Was that future? Were those people prepared? See, our Lord's just trying to really drive this home. It may not be future for you. Could be tomorrow. Could be today. Could be today that you step out to meet the Lord in eternity. 
So you got to be prepared. Look at verse number 11. He says here, afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. They're gone. The marriage begins. They're pounding on the door. Hey, hey, we're part of the wedding party too. I got my torch. She were unprepared. You don't have any oil. I don't know you. I don't know you. I do not know you. Verse number 12, but he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. I do not know you. And here's the last thing, don't miss the wedding. This brings us to this last verse, verse 13. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Literally keep on the alert is what he's saying. Be ready because you don't know that exact moment of when that's gonna happen. Yes, he is coming. We know that he's coming after the tribulation. Christ is gonna return. We know the signs. We know what to look for. But we don't know exactly when all that's gonna take place. And he's going to come at an hour when we least expect it. Like a thief in the night, he says he'll come. Suddenly. So don't be caught unawares. Don't be caught unprepared. And that's the message of this parable. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.